<laughs> Pat mentioned this uh, the other day in my log. I was like, man, you know, the first step toward finally doing a Charles Hamilton podcast. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I well, took. I, I took. I listened to the one that everybody likes, and it was very good. It was. It's a <laughs> the very, closest it's a thing to a consensus. Yeah, the closest thing to a consensus Charles project, I would say, is probably that. Yeah. Um, but that's the first step out of like Odessa steps to a Charles Hamilton project. <laughs> right. It's literally the long chain of of tiny dominoes to big domino meme of <laughs> of inciting incident. Years later, Charles Hamilton podcast. <laughs> Welcome to part two of Playboy Cardi Month. Uh, we are we are honoring Die Lit, as I mentioned in the previous episode, where we covered in abundance, you know, the Cash Cardi era, the self-titled. And this episode is a standalone episode. We're just going to talk about Die Lit for its five-year anniversary on May 11th, which is hopefully when you're hearing this, or at least in thereabouts. And this is an album that is very special to me. I believe it's very special to my co-host Patrick and also another person that I know thinks of it very highly and is the first time that they're on the podcast with both of us in a while. Uh, Wyatt, a.k.a. Kitten Puke, our special producer. We're, we're going behind the boards, behind the paint. Wyatt, how you doing today? I'm doing just wondrous. I'm fighting the urge to not die every day and die lit as hard as possible. That's. I don't really know Something. how to. Res- I don't really know how to respond to that. So we're gonna we're gonna go to my other Audience co-host Patrick. Groggy as hell. Real hot. I mean, I would. I'm here. Coming in real fucking hot with that one. I would have gone with. Uh, we haven't been together in such a long time, and I've been waiting for this for a long time. I, that's yeah. the reference I would have. That's gone true. With. That's true. Yeah, ju- just just to just to feel like you this, it, it took a long time. Than I did. Yeah. You had it much better pay- prepared than I did. But <laughs> me hey. with my me with my podcast buddies, you know, just just to feel like this, it took a long time. But uh, unfortunately, Wyatt went right for the <laughs> the, the jugular. Well, I mean, considering that the other two ones we've done together were ICP and Lil Peep, there's a certain level of intensity you expect when we get that's together. That's true. That's true. Although mm-hmm. we did we did lead our little little Peep one with a, uh, a a sonic discussion and a Hamilton discussion, so we really went full circle mm-hmm. with our with our Hamilton uh, 
discussion yeah. in the intro. So I'm just I'm just happy that we're finally here because it has been like how fucking long since I have been promised to this episode for me. Like since Oh well, a very the a, a very long time. Even yeah e- even before you were the official producer of the podcast, to be honest. True, yeah. One of the very first people who was promised an episode. I mean, actually, we've been doing a good job of like checking off like the promised episodes. We got the spit episode, at least one of them. Finally, got Gucci Part Two knocked out. Finally, got Wu Tang knocked out. I I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that Prince episode with Moo Kid is in our future. I, <laughs> it, but Moo Kid, if you're listening, I would like to do it by like next year, by the anniversary of his passing. So you know, hit us up. We could knock True. that off. Yeah. True, you know, seven, se- like six years in the making. You know, we'll we'll, we'll get there. And <laughs> the Frank, o- I don't want to participate in the discourse at all. But the Frank Ocean episode, I think, is another one that's been sitting on the back burner for a long time. It it so. has been. I, I don't know. Like I, you know, our, our original guest, uh, I will not name them, but is kind of dropped out of the running for that. So we'll have to. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll cook. We yeah, we will we'll cook, and we will find a uh, a. a a guest or multiple guests because the frank episode let's be real that's probably going to be a two-parter let's not let, let's not mince words <laughs> let's also be real i don't think we have to worry about him and nor should he have to worry about doing this dropping anything fresh for us to talk about true <laughs> true 100 uh, percent. i agree with you um, you know just be another four years before i get my metro zoo episode that's the last thing i was promised that i still need to get down off the checklist Note, noted audiences, I'll, 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 I will push this podcast to get that episode someday. I know people want it. You can, you, you, you are more than welcome to do that episode solo. I am not. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> at, at some point, we will, we will get to that one as well. Listeners, we got a hefty backlog. Let, let, let us, oh, yeah. let us, let us. We leave. got things planned. Yeah, but yes, on to the but topic of, show, of do- show us your suggestions, though. By the way, we always do appreciate them. Yeah, hundred percent. Literally, if you message me on RYM or any platform, I will get back to you because mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Except but anyway, so there's not going to be an Eminem episode, so don't don't ask for that. Well, it don't do that. Don't not, it's not happening. That that not. should go without saying, actually. But it has been asked for, and it has been rejected. So just don't, don't bother. It's not happening. But anyway. right, well, whoever asked for that is not allowed to come on the podcast, friend. <laughs> but anyway, uh, moving past that uh, uh, episode that we have been wanting to do for a while, and I'm very glad that we can do it as to honor the five year anniversary, which one makes me feel like very old, um, which is a rare. I'm having a Patrick really? moment. Yeah, Real. <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm having a Patrick moment, but no, uh, dial it. As you know, as you know, Wyatt, being the producer, I've been asking the guests who come on what their relationship is to dial it. So, what better way to lead off a discussion than to talk to you and get your like? What were your initial thoughts about dial it? Were you a Cardi fan previously? What's your relationship to the album then versus now, et cetera, et cetera? Okay, well, to start with where I was with Cardi, I believe I got in the Cardi pretty much. I think when most people did that weren't already like in the know which is that you know i i was I, I was catching him when magnolia dropped and was really popping off like with the mm-hmm. self-titled mixtape and everything that was my first exposure to cardi and you know i was already by the time dial it had come out i was already all in with the mixtape i thought it was a piece of genius um uh mu- like a piece of musical genius in terms of like just perfect what at the time i thought was like 
almost a weird like minimalist maximalist um type of type of rap where it was like you know these really simplistic beats but that were actually doing quite a lot and cardi just not saying a lot but then also saying a lot because his is is his ad libs would be like fucking that was always the thing i remember the big discussion point you know his ad libs like taking up the entire mix with like just non-stop he was always like going off with the ad libs in the background it was essentially like a wall of sound for his vocals that type of thing so i was loving that with pierre Bourne's production it was like I was all in. So I was really hyped when this suddenly dropped out of nowhere. And that was the kind of the funny thing is that unlike everything else that we know of about uh, Cardi is that this one kind of just dropped and um, in relatively quickly. And so that was like I, I was there for like when the debut happened, everything. And, and I was like in fucking awe of it because I was like, oh, he just did the mixtape, but even better. It took a second because there were some weird parts. I remember, I remember, you know, the the discussion around dial it was that you know, it, much like anything Cardi drops, is that most people really did not like it, or at least had reservations about it when it dropped. And you know, I I have the same thing, although I'm not viscerally hateful it's like i i just know there's some quirks that i need to get used to so it was like you know rock star all that uh, or sorry love hurts uh with uh travis scott those types of tracks i was like hmm i think i need to figure this one out but i was already loving it and within like less than a day or two i was already like yeah this completely uh this this is like an upgrade to even the mixtape or at least another side of it and i it's just like an unlike there's no there's barely any low point that i could point to on the album and so i was just like that, that it was basically the album that made me like a cardi stand quote unquote from mm-hmm. there on out yeah no i mean that's i mean i've 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 mentioned this on many a podcast past but in the case of dial it um you know, I kind of echoing Wyatt. I mean, I was a big fan of the self-titled. Like I said, initially during the self-titled episode, I mentioned that I liked it. But then over the course of that summer, summer 17, I played it like obsessively. So then I grew to, you know, love it and thought it was fantastic. So I was definitely all in. I remember actually the night Dialate came out. I don't know why I remember this, but I fell asleep because I was at that time. I was working like round the clock that summer. I remember vividly I had I had multiple jobs. So I was really tired, and I fell asleep, and I woke up, and it was in the middle of the night, and Dialit had dropped. And I was like, oh, I'll listen to a few songs. Like, I was so, I was looking forward to it. And I listened to, obviously, you know, the, the first couple songs, as you know, I mean, all pretty legendary songs in Cardi's, you know, uh, discography. And I was so blown away that I ended up just, like, listening to the whole thing at, like, three in the morning, and then, you know, fell back asleep, and then... My, my relationship with it was inst- it was instantaneous, and then it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And all summer, summer 2018, like I would wake up. I mean, I worked like seven days a week that summer, so I would wake up, shower, eat breakfast, play dialet, go to work, like in the car on the way to work, play dialet, come home on the uh, late at night from whatever job I was at that day, play dialet. Like no matter, it was just like a. It was kind of like the ticking clock of that that time for me. 
And so I will always, always, always associate that year with Dilet because even though, like, there would be obviously, there's, you're going to go through times you're not going to play the album. I could return to it no matter what and get something new out of the experience each time. So Dilet was oh. a very was a very special album to me in 2018. It was my album of the year that year when it, you know, when, when we did that whole podcast, which of course is you know lost to time, but. That is still the case now, and I know that other people have, you know, come on the show. I mean, Ben mentioned it on the on the last episode about how, you know, it's so so special. But like he's played it so much that you know he doesn't always return to it now. Like it, it has a very special place in his heart. For me, that is also like partly true. It is very very special and one of my favorite albums like of all time. But and you know, cliche. But it, it, I think it definitely did change my life and change how I listen to uh, to, to music. But in that same vein, I can still like I re-listen to it just just cause th- this morning for for this podcast, and it was like having a conversation with an old friend. That's really what it was like for me. So yeah, uh, very nothing but very very strong and things to say about this, and you know, over overwhelming praise for the album. So yeah, can't 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 speak highly enough about it then and and now. I will I will say. I will say real quick, I'm the same way as you, Caleb. I, when this came out, I guess I should mention, but it's like, yeah, I ran this thing into the fucking ground. It was never, it was on constant repeat, this project. I couldn't ever get enough of this. It was like this and making comparisons to the, um, to the mixtape. I was, I don't think I ever told you guys this, but I used to, uh, how I know that I was like an ultra, how to really fully stamp in how much of an ultra fan I was of Cardi, these like this in the mixtape during that time was that like, I was working on a list on ROM to like break down. I had, I used to have this crackpot theory that like, oh no, Dial It is actually a concept album and that there was like a whole story to it. And, like, I was, like, deep into, like, the intricacies of the album and being like, no, 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 you don't get it. It's, like, an album about him losing a relationship and everything, and it's a sequel to the previous mixtape. And I still actually do think so with that second point. I do think that it operates as a sequel with many references to the old album, to the mixtape. And we can get into that, but I used to be like, I was making like, I was so deep into this, I was making like crackpot theories about this thing that I was gonna, that I kept to myself. I never got around to finish them out, and I don't believe them anymore. Believe in them anymore, but I was like obsessed with this thing. I mean, put a pin in that because I find that very interesting. Um, it's very, by the way, that is very much one of the most wide things I've ever heard, considering your obsession with lore. Um, that you would impose lore on an album that actually doesn't necessarily have the lore to it. You would just construct lore around it, like your own headcanon the album. But I think that's best. Um, I can see where you would get that, though. I mean, there are definitely lines that he that you could take as direct callbacks that I, I can see where you would construct that. Um, just real quick, from my own perspective, I have a different relationship with this album than you guys. I have it at a five, I have it at a ten, five, whatever. Like I clearly value it just as highly as well, maybe not just as highly, but I clearly put it at the same tier as both of you. But at the time, I was not working three jobs. I was working zero jobs at the time, but so I had a lot of time to listen to music. But on the other hand, I was at the time studying online, but still like um for my coding certification. So I was work like I was like working pretty uh 
strenuously, albeit in a way that afforded me in a situation that afforded me a lot of time to listen to music. But when you were talking about the year, I kind of hit on the RYM 2018 charts just as a refresher of what was big that year to see what it was up against. And just, I did kind of refresh what I was listening to that year. Like uh, number two is Kid Sea Ghost. Number three is some rap songs and number seven is Daytona. And those were probably the three that I listened to the most that year. Um, and obviously some rap songs came out later in the year. So I associate those most with the year. Um, Dialect came out in May and I listened to certain songs a lot. Like I can't say I played it front to back a lot. The opening run, flatbed freestyle and RIP Fredo noticed me. Those were the ones I gravitated towards. Then over time it sat with me more, I would say. Like the only Cardi album really that I just played front to back to death was Whole Lot of Red, which is, I think, a weird thing to, I don't know, because that's actually, I would say, the most abrasive and intentionally overwhelming of his works. And us not counting the bootlegs, just like the intentionally structured by him ones. But I would say this is probably the most accessible yet. I mean, it took me a while. It took me a while to live with it to really have it hit me. I think in the way that it hit you guys, and yeah, I. But I would say today, when I re-listened to it fresh for the podcast, I had the same experience that Caleb had, where it was just like an old friend, just like revisiting it, like all of like the verses, the quirks of it, the vocal mix, like the ticks and everything, was just like hearing like beats that you would have when you met up with an old friend and you have the same inside jokes and everything. That's how I felt when I was listening to songs from this, like just picking up on on threads, like songs I hadn't listened to in a while. It was just like, I hadn't listened. I could have listened to them yesterday. I knew them that familiarly. So. Right, right, right. See, I think that's kind of funny because when I, I too had not come back to this album in a while because Again, like you guys said, I ran it into the ground. And then when whole lot, you know, and then by that point, you know, we were dealing with like the leaks and whole lot of red. So, you know, attentions turned elsewhere. So it had been, God, it might even have been a couple of years since I returned to a majority of these songs um, after a while. So coming back to them, it, it was definitely reminiscent. I was like, oh, yeah, I know all of these like front to back, but I actually still got some little new things that I hadn't noticed before, just little things like little intricacies that made me just be like, Ooh, I never realized that little melody hidden in there and things like that. Like, um, you know, it's like, we'll, we'll talk about them, but I think it's on, um, you know, uh, Choppa won't miss where it's like, there's actually like these little, you know, soft, uh, ad lib inflections that Cardi does where he, where he's, he's going like right now or something on like the, well, after this, the hundred round drum killing everybody. It's like these little melodies. I was like, Oh, I've never actually, I don't remember those. And, and, and it was like, Oh, there's, there's, there's still way more here that I don't remember <laughs> or that I didn't pick up on. So I was, I was just being like, wow, this thing is still showing me new little dense melodies this far out that I really hadn't thought of or just new, well, think, new perspectives like, on it. That's a good place to start with it though, is the vocal melodies. Cause I think again, I kind of, I think I tried to touch on this in all of the episodes we've done in this series is that Cardi is for all the shit he gets for not being like a bars MC, whatever. Like there's something to that. I think, and I don't mean that in a negative way, and that he does not prioritize lyrics, 
that he but that doesn't mean that there aren't lyrics of value there but he's more of a vocalist than an mc or i guess than a lyricist he's more of a vocalist than a lyricist but see so, go ahead i also i also want to interject that because uh, you know not to make a point out of a point to derail your point but maybe it's perspective because we've come even in though it, it's crazy yeah that it's been five years it's been five years we've come in it, it, this album has been so influential and become so like like stand not standardized but he, i i have no problems under like i i remember distinctly you know even with the mixtape and then even with dialect that there was always the jokes like oh hey, cardi isn't saying anything you can't understand and or or you can't understand him and and the thing for me is is that now Cardi is like clear as like crystal. I can understand every word he says on both projects, but especially this one. Like or, or even on this one, it's like no, he's pretty clearly. I can understand every word he's saying, and he does. He's rapping a lot on this. He's actually not as repetitive as I feel like I remember. And again, I think it's just perspective nowadays. But it's like. He was actually rapping a lot, and I used to know that a couple songs had concepts, but, like, no, there's plenty of meat on all the bones of, like, most of these songs in terms of lyrical concepts. They're, you know, sometimes just your standard rap things about, like, getting his dick sucked or his diamonds flooding out and whatnot, but it's like, no, he's still writing lines. Like, there's still plenty here, and it's just kind of funny that it's, like, nowadays... Because of again how influential is and where we've gone in the five years, it's like yeah, it's not that weird. It's not as visceral as I remember it being. If you listen to some stuff that emerged in the last like three to four years, I mean, this shit sounds like you're listening to like Nas. Like it's not. <laughs> it, it is kind of like that. Um, it's more on topic than a lot of Nas songs, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, not Nas slander. We we've arrived. Yeah, put that on. I Nas that notch that on the bingo card. Backhanded Nas comment. Um, also, so one of the things I remember you're talking about Wyatt, like all of the comp- like comments on uh, his voice and not being able to understand him. One of the things I remember hearing all the time, and it might have been post this album, was about the baby voice. And aside from one of the best songs on here, by the way, notice me, R.P. Fredo. I don't really hear him doing "quote unquote" baby voice on this too flatbed much. Flatbed freestyle was always the, okay. The, flatbed the, freestyle, the like a, a flatbed freestyle. Maybe it's just because again, I guess we have to keep in mind that we are in a bubble. I suppose to use sports terminology, whatever. Um, that we are, I guess, inoculated is the right. I don't know. Again, bubble terminology to like this sort of vocal vocalization. But I mean, flatbed freestyle just sounds to me like he's doing thug. And I've always There's thought a lot that. Of thug. There, there, fun. there is in there. I kind of think it's like, and if you've heard Slime Season and Barter Six and all that stuff, like I don't think Flatbed Freestyle should have been too much of a pill for you to swallow. That is baby voice. I think of I, what he does. It was yeah. for it was for a lot of people at the time. I remember though. people. Yeah, see, I remember distinctly Flatbed Freestyle was like that was that that song is what birthed the term baby voice. From what I remember, is that it was literally yeah. because of that song. And specifically the one more pint like uh, outro little coda section. But um, how much he starts getting really high? About like the same people will probably you know faff off Kendrick for. I mean, what when did Mona Lisa happen on Carter Five? Like I would say that you know Kendrick on that 
Kendrick on like a bunch of songs is doing equally irritating or intentionally abrasive vocal inflections, right? And Kendrick it, is, it, you know, Kendrick has a fucking Pulitzer. But that's the thing, though. I think it's perspective because I think, um, you know, Kendrick even back then was still like, he would get high pitched. It's like Danny Brown's voice. It's like he would get high pitched and we would be abrasive to some people because I know some people even now still can't stand Danny Brown or Kendrick. Oh, yeah. No. But I guess that's the. But, but they, they were still relatively anchored by being able to quote unquote understand them. Whereas at the time, Everybody would joke that they couldn't understand a goddamn. Everybody will not joke. They were serious. No one could understand a goddamn word Cardi was saying on a quite a few of these songs, and especially on Flatbed Freestyle. There was like a period where no one understood what he was saying. But it, I think again, it's looking back now because we live in a world of like 60, 40, 60, 6, 4, 5 AR. When we live in that world now, mm-hmm. it's like. Yeah, these are nothing to us. It's like he's crystal clear. I understand. I understood every single word he said on Flatbed Freestyle. And it's like that type of moments is what hit me as being like, oh, yeah, this really isn't. How did we ever have a problem with getting to like following him? Yeah. Why was that the conversation? Yeah. Yeah. But I heard back then. I think part of it is region bias. I mean, you mentioned Danny and we mentioned Danny and Kendrick. I think part of it is that there's a region bias against Cardi being Southern, Danny from Detroit, Kendrick being from the West, then they get more inherent credibility. And part of it is content bias. Danny, I mean, there's half and half with Danny because Danny talks about ignorant shit and also conscious shit. And but he, you know, delineates that with what he's using his voice for and what we will tolerate. Kendrick, of course, you know, when he talks about ignorant stuff is through an ironic lens or he recontextualizes it or whatever and he does big concept stuff. So we let Kendrick skate on when he does, you know, abrasive things with his voice because it's to a purpose. Whereas Cardi's just a mumble rap. There's that word. There's that fucking irritating ass, condescending ass word. That's the other thing aside from baby voice that people said about this Fuck album. That mumbling He's shit. Mumbling on this Fuck album. that mumbling shit. Bought a crib for my mama off that mumbling shit. <laughs> Immediately killed yep. the... That what those well, maybe probably lines. one of the one of the more iconic lines in his whole career. It, it, to me, it's the most iconic. Possibly, it probably is the most iconic. Because for me, the minute that he said those two lines, is like the moment the entire discussion on mumble rap died. It died right there at that moment with those two lines, because that's all that ever needed to be said. See, I it's, think it's, it's, Mumble Rap died when Death to Mumble Rap came out. Because <laughs> I think that was the final nail in the coffin. I think that was definitely the nail in the coffin, but it was like the the R.I.P. The R.I.P. with those yeah. two lines, I think, was like the 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 beginning of the death knell. The the gong was starting to be rang. The bell the was starting to be rang. Started. <laughs> well done. Well done. And and and, and then the death toll was beginning, and then and then uh, death to mumble rap actually was the uh, the death of of mumble rap, but the the discussion point, not the actual uh, yeah, quote unquote artists themselves. They did it to themselves, as Jay Z said on uh-huh. Thank. They didn't mean to, but they actually yeah. they, they killed it in a way they didn't. They um yeah they did the opposite. But, but it's just it's just so simple. It's just so fucking factual and just like right up there with being like, hey. 
people like this. So just what the fuck are in it? And it makes it makes I'm making money and people love it. So what the fuck are you complaining about? <laughs> I'm like that's all that needs to be said. It's ultimately just, and I talk about this in other episodes too. It's the I don't understand. It's not music because I don't understand it. Argument, and it's just more shitty because it's coming from people within the genre. Before it was really, it was something you could dismiss because it was coming from like you know fucking boomer rock fans who just hated it because it was disco or because they didn't have instruments, they didn't play guitars, and Cardi would come at them later with other stuff. But still, although he's even in this album, like you know, obviously the cover too, like that's like playing with rock tropes, and he would continue to do that. But going after the like the mumble rap thing is definitely it's like cannibalism it's and but it's also jealousy too when you have someone oh, yeah. like Eminem coming at you Eminem who's so mad about it he literally makes a red bad and nude album not necessarily about cardi it's actually about little pump somebody's way worse but i mean and also like, and also someone that was obviously like a fad like Eminem has like well, I was gonna I was gonna infer that Eminem has to have known that like fads and hip hop are a thing, but maybe he maybe he was I don't know oblivious to that. Well, I mean, it's like that was a, that was about a lot of things. It was mainly because he wanted reasons why revival tanked that weren't just revival was a career low that he should be embarrassed by and not talk about so much. Right, but. Yeah, but instead we had to have. It was clearly because no Seymour is the children who were wrong. Well, like, it's kind of it's all well. It's also that thing where I think, it, you know, I remember there was uh, I think it was on the Call of Culture podcast, and I keep referencing them, but uh, they had a thing where they pointed out that it's like Eminem doesn't really attack people who would actually make diss songs towards him. They're right. Eminem doesn't do that, so I think he he also gets easy material because it's like, who, which one, are any of these quote unquote like mumble rapper dudes? They're not really. I mean, they make diss tracks, but it's not like they're built for like coming at Eminem. They're not gonna do it. Well, what's it. funny about Kamikaze though is he did he made like he took a swipe at Tyler and Earl, but it was so yeah. lame that they were just like, "All right, old man, whatever it's you so say." Fucking. Saying the F swear and then purposely censoring yourself is one of the most bitch things you can do <laughs> in modern rap. One of the most bitch things you can do. I, it it would have been less bitch if he had if he had just like not censored it. Frank, I, frankly, it would have been less. Also, it would have made him look like less of a douche. But the fact that he did makes him like, you're a pussy, bro. And then he calls Earl Earl the hooded sweater or whatever, which is roughly Will Smith levels of being harsh to somebody. Yeah, it's like it's like you know who this is. Like just shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. And then the only person he took a shot, and then he was able to he let's again, I think we talked about this before. Machine Gun Kelly had the better diss song. Like, I mean, we're I don't really want to litigate this too much, but the only the, time the, this five body, years old this five year old beef. <laughs> the five year old diss song between two people we don't like. <laughs> like diss battle. So but yeah, my I don't really even mean to like isolate him because he was far from the only old mad rapper about this stuff. He was just the most famous one to make an album blaming quote unquote mumble rap for, you know, death of hip hop. The only genre mm. that's constantly complaining about dying. Right, consistently um, complaining. Well, I don't know. I, 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 I actually, that's the thing that always gets me. Is everybody's always like, "Oh, you know, this is only uh, uh, 
this is only unique to this genre. What a unique thing. And it's like, usually it's stuff that isn't very unique. Like everybody thinks their thing is dying. Everybody, EDM people think that all their music isn't moving anywhere. Rock has, it keeps trying to say that it's in the death knell because it's not in pop music anymore. Pop music thinks it's dying because it's, it's using the same structures, even though that's pop music for like the last, like since the fifties, Everybody always thinks everything is dying. It's just drama. I mean, you're just reading R.Y.M. You're just reading R.Y.M. (laughs) (laughs) It's music. It's music discourse. What's that tweet Earl had? You people talk about music or whatever, like that. Well, he said that if it's a C minus, like you don't even deserve an F because an F implies tried too hard to C minus. You're just the C minus. Yeah. So, but anyway, back to. Worth discussing, and unlike music discourse, dial it. Mm-hmm. So, the first song on here, I would put up against any of your, like, you know, I'll say something nice about Nas. Best album, like, openers of all time, like your New York State of Mind, your Iron Galaxy, your, like, I put this up against any great album opener of all time you want yeah. to name. It's in in, in in 20 years, when the old heads like me are going to be sitting around talking about back in my day, th- this is this is it right here. This This is... Long time, I think, is the is the start to being like okay. If you want to call your like this a generational defining album, which I think it is, and is going and and has already proven to be, um, I, I think that this is like this is the song from it. It, it really is to the point where it's like a cliche, like you know, it just. It, because that's what that's what all time classics become. They become cliches. The the song is is, is going to be a cliche, but that's fine. I argue for the second half, at least the second half of the 2010s, maybe even the whole of 2010s. The three defining opening songs would probably be "Long Time," "Nikes," and "Feel the Love." Like just for kicking off a fucking album, just like you know that from the beginning, from the beginning notes. I would say that, and this is not a shot at Kids See Ghosts. Feel the love is like Wyatt. Do you know the meme where it's like the two dragons and the third dragon is like derpy? Yes. yes. Feel, feel, feel the love is the is like the derp dragon. Well, okay. I mean, or I it's like the well, what's what's the meme of all the like the the soldiers lining up at the wall and there's one guy with a clown costume amongst all the soldiers. That's kind of like feel the love. I mean, I'm I'm partial to disagree because Kids See Ghost is also one of my favorite album i'm not hating on, i think it's but, a great yeah. record i'm not hating on kids he goes i just think that that song gets absolutely worked by the other two all-time classics that you mentioned it is and uh, but i'm saying as an intro though everybody knows that from the way it comes in with it cuddy did, with, 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 with the with the with the with the rat-a-tat ad libs yeah it just, it just sets up <laughs> such an atmosphere yeah it just sets up such an atmosphere as does as does long time um it's just crazy to think, though, that it's like in the context of the time frame and everything. It's like it's him talking about like it's him setting up that Dilit is like supposed to be like a victory lap album after the success of the mixtape, which is just crazy to think because, you know, in terms of popularity, I guess I would say that Dilit is arguably the most popular between this and the mixtape. So it's like. It's kind of funny that your victory lap album actually ended up being like the your best album. Even though I like all you know, we'll get into debates about which album of his is the best, but it's like theoretically for mainstream audiences, this is his quote unquote, you know, 
pinnacle as it stands right now. So it's like, it's kind of funny to think of it as a victory lap album, but it is. Mm -hmm. No, it is. And I think you're right uh, on that note, Wyatt. But yeah, I'm not hating necessarily on on Field of Love, but eh, I'm not going to co-sign that exact thing. But um, I think with Long Time, the the thing that makes it iconic is like just the way it starts, like the way it comes on. Like, I mean, and every line is like inherently super quotable. I mean, like once again, we're trying to limit the rapping on this podcast, but like, even just the way he comes on singing, like, you know, no cap and gown. I ain't go to class. Like I'd rather die wake before up. I come in last. Like come wake on. up and smell the motherfucker. Yeah, and literally I'm about to put this boy in a coffin. As someone who would wake up and like you know uh, have this as have long time and, and this album playing constantly shortly after it came out, wake up and smell the motherfucking coffee was always like a little you know ironic uh, twist to that for me. So. Yeah, I mean, and just like the the ad libs, the fact that it feels like he's doing like a um, almost like a singer songwriter performance, you know. Um, but we get the every get line favorite, is like we get my favorite little thing he does between this and the last mixtape, which is like him talking to people in the background, where he's like, "No, no, oh, no yeah, yeah, just yeah. go ahead and do it. Let me just do this part right here, and we'll go ahead and get going." Oh, I love the, I love the. Uh, have you ever been to Atlanta? Like little breakdown. <laughs> yeah. There's every, like I said, this album. I mean, you, I could have done this podcast after not listening to this album for three plus, you know, three four years, and it still would have had the same. Like I still would have the same things to say about long time as I do now because it's more than just like remembering why you liked an album. The this song and almost every track on here is like just so firmly like embedded in the deep recesses of my brain that like there's I could recall so much about long time. So there's so much to say about it, and yet I feel like I almost have nothing but like platitudes like that just don't really mean anything. Because long time is such like an inherently special song to me, and I think a lot of people. It says a lot about the way this album is constructed, the craftsmanship, the like high tier quality of his vocals. That I could have not listened to this album ever again. I could have not listened to it fresh for this podcast. To your point, Caleb, and the first four songs on here and R.I.P. I will still get them stuck, parts of them stuck, not even just the quote unquote hooks, although, because I think every part of those songs are hooks for the rest of my life. Like, I'll just go around work and just be like, you know, doing my tasks or whatever and just be like, I ain't had shit in a long time just to feel like this. It took a long time. Like, I'll just pop in my head out of nowhere. And long time. And it'll pop in my head. So, yeah. Long long time is a song, and I think I referenced this maybe years ago, but. Long time is a song that no matter what mood or state of mind of, or, or you're in, it will fit that exact s- space in your life. So you could be, it could be motivational. It could be, you know, you're 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 down, like you're 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 you're, you're you know sad about something. You could be happy about something. You could be kind of like I said previously, like motivational, striving for something. You know. Anything that it, anything that you need it to be, it is, because just that's the genius of the hook and the songwriting. Is like 
you know, okay, just to feel like this, it's like a long time. But at the same time, there's a lot of, you know, there's like an air of melancholy. There's a, there's a tinge of melancholy to it as, as well. So, yeah. One thing I one thing that I noticed fresh for like completely fresh to me, and I should have known this because this man's or I guess man name has come up. I don't mean to misgender them. Uh, Art dealer was the producer for this. I did not know this was not a Pierre beat. I assumed like most things on here that weren't the canon track. This was Pierre. No, yeah, I remember that actually being a pretty big thing that got pointed out when this album came out was that there was a couple be- like everybody was assuming that this that this track specifically was a was a Pierre beat, and it's like no, it's Art Dealer. And everyone, I remember, I I think Art Dealer wasn't very known at the time because I was like, who the fuck is that? Well, it's a um, their it, RYM right now and twelve credits, including we're still doing the um posthumous ex extentaciona stuff, huh? We're still doing that because they apparently have a um, X album coming out this year called Lost Question Mark, which cool. But yeah, mostly Young Lean, uh, Cardi, a Young Ko, then whoever Ocasion. Oh, I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm sure O K A S I A N. I'm sure Caleb knows who it is, and I don't. You guys are probably way more tapped in than I am. I don't know who that is, but yeah, twelve credits on RYM for. Well, our they're, um, yeah, our dealer is as far as I'm aware of a. Um, they're from South Korea and they're like a uh, producer, but they also do like fashion stuff. But their uh, our dealer has been um, like our dealer had collab. I think that this era was the first time, but like when they when our dealer showed up on Whole Lot of Red, it's not a surprise that he did the uh, overbeat because over as it was you know lovingly referred to uh, before the album came out was referred to as long time too. We know how how I feel about over and how it evokes that, that for me, he also did a couple other tracks on there, like not playing sky, etc. So, oh, um, Stardust shit. I also reminds me, I did not give four stars to stardust by young lean, which I will do right now. Um, great record underrated the rating on that. We, we need to have a conversation about We, the we do under a three. Okay. Yeah. Needs to which is pretty me. rare for uh, young lean because as you know, young lean has gone through the, RYM metamorphosis of like all their stuff has gone up over time, so for that to be like for Young Lean to have that, that 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 that's tough. From what I'm to understand about that project, that's kind of like his mecha, uh, his uh, what's the what's the blade? The good the good album. luck project, the good luck yeah, it's project. It's like, better than it's better than good luck though. That Stardust has some great songs on it. Forgotten the Stardust the other it, it, it is the same. It is the same sort of. I would say. Um, Sonic Palette is good luck, but I enjoyed it more for sure. Yeah, it's a pretty like easygoing, low stakes project, but I, I like it a lot. I also really love the cover art, by the way. It's a very, and you will know us, the Trail of Dead style cover yeah. art. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, it's very like the turn of the century. Yeah. But, but, uh, but the thing, I don't want to get, I mean, <laughs> just talk about long time for fucking ever. So, but uh, I did not know that RIP, um, was based on a um, Zap sample, which I can tell from the track credits here, because obviously the estate of Roger Troutman got paid off this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, another uh, we talked about this on um, the we will talk about this, I suppose, nonlinear podcast, the uh, WLR leaks, um, WLR and Beyond episode, uh, another Pierre poll. But um, yeah, I did not know this was a Zap sample. Yeah, no, I mean, and and it's a it's a sick. Sick beat. 
like right, oh my so god good. it's a little you know when i first heard it, i was like man this doesn't knock as much as i want it to but then it just it has a specific knock to it that yeah I love. So it's a it's a head it's a headphone knock this one you put you, oh, yeah. you put the good cans on and it like it sounds great yeah, it has a real not. cold feel to it that a lot of Pierre beats don't. It just has like a real cold. And when you actually listen to it on the slate, like we'll talk about this later because I do want to come to this, at least touch on it briefly. The Slater Sloden reverb version, I think, kind of lets that really thump a lot harder, I guess. Because mm-hmm. there's coldness to the drum hit on it that is not in a lot. Because I think a lot of Pierre beats have a warm sound to them. I think that's why it, this is like feels to me like a summer. Like, I mean, I think that's why May was the perfect time to drop this. And I think why. A lot of people think of it like a more, although I think, again, like you were saying, Caleb, it works in every, the album itself, long time, and the album itself work in all sorts of circumstances. But I think that a lot of people think of it both as a morning album, a summer album, because I think Pierre generally works in like sunny, sort of warmer tones. But I think R.I.P. has like a cold feel to it. And I think it's partially because there's like a cold thump to the uh, the drum on this one. So... It just hits really hard in a way a lot of Pierre beats don't, which is it's what kind you of the Zap sample because Zap being like a you know like sunny funk funkier band he gets something out of that that you wouldn't expect given the sample source. Is that that background vocal where it's like I love you? Yeah, that's got to be it. That's got to be yeah. it. Yeah, I assume so. It's like it's such a fucking cool dichotomy how he's just got that running like it, it kind of doesn't. It's hilarious because it kind of it doesn't really match up with the beat, but it's like it's adding so much texture and like off key, like on key melody to like an off, like such an abrasive like bass and like his synth work on top of that with the ding ding. It's like they're not fit. They're not supposed to fit together. It seems like, but then they do work so well by like that third point by like the third section of the song where they're both playing at the same time. It, 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 it's, it's so, it's, it's so crazy how he makes that work together to me. Well, I really liked your point when you were talking about like doing the whole preamble about what the album meant to you about how the beats seem simple, but are actually doing a lot. Cause I think that's a key to why Pierre, works so well as a producer because the beats feel simplistic but they're addictive and then there's so many layers to them like all the best pierre songs have intro are fully formed intro outro and vocally layered like one of my very favorite pierre songs isn't even a cardi song it's marie curie and the mm. layer of fucking vocals on that like he is not a traditionally good vocalist so he compensates for it by just drowning it in mixing drowning it in reverb and just making every single line on that like he delivers my bands on me don't like i'm not going to do it but like he just like deliver like he just like comes up with different ways to have that line delivered each time and i think that's why he and cardi are such good fits together because cardi is such an interesting vocalist and pierre comes up with different ways to have those lines come across in the songs like Mm -hmm. Every single bar is like you know something for him to play with as a producer. To, and to me, like, it's and the athletes. to me, to me, it's like where yeah, exactly. To me, it's like where uh, Cardi is utilizing like his ad libs to throw in small tinges of variation. It's like Pierre vice uh, on uh, vice versa is like on the beats. He always throws in these little tings of like melody. They like only show up like on very small, minute, quick occasions, but they're adding to this overall sound. But you could miss them really quickly, and they're only like despairly showing up. 
Um, but they're both kind of like, it's kind of funny. It's like they're both doing the same thing. It's just that what Cardi's doing with his vocals, Pierre's doing with his beats. Mm-hmm. And that's like all well throughout this album. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really well put. Um, why, Pat? I remember now. This is a long time ago, so I might be misremembering this. But when the album first came out, and you know, back in back in uh, the, the Discord, the one that I remember you talking about a lot was "Lean for Real." Yeah, that is just such an addictive hook. And when the time this came out, actually, I went to a wedding, and I kept asking for them like the wedding band to play lean for real and there was a guided by voices song i forget i kept that they did not play either of these songs um <laughs> <laughs> i kept asking them to play it but i'm assuming it was i am a scientist because i'm like, how do you not know i'm a scientist and they're like shut the fuck up loser but um yeah so yeah lean for real um i think that is another triumph of cardi as a hook writer but although i think that given um who he's on the track with, he holds his own surprise. Again, why, like you were saying, like he got so much shit for not being a rapper, but there are so many tracks on here where he's actually rapping. And I think this is probably the first one you can really say that, like, if you break it apart, like there's bars here, like not, I mean, RIP, I don't want to go too hard into it. He is rapping on that one. I don't want to go too hard into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, given, um, yeah, we're, but Liam for real, like he's on there with a really like skilled, serious rapper. And I think he had something to prove on that. But the hook is what really hooked me. And the way Skeptic's verse is placed, the way his voice sounds on that. Oh, it's yeah. just if um, I mean, long time is the first classic on it. But Liam for real is the one that I really kept repeating, because I think that at the time this came out, I was more of a Skepta fan than a Cardi fan. And. Just like so. the way it the way it comes on too, with like the the like maniacal like chuckling in the background, like and it it, it comes in and like the the beat is already so the cricket noises. Yeah, and it's kind of like stu- what, it has like a, a a fuzz to it. It evokes like a shoegaze type uh, sound to me. This is when it comes on, just that first part. Well, it's another one of those things about this, like, again, like, I think this is one of the things that we all beat to death and throughout the discussions on all the card things is how good he is at transitioning between songs. Um, and that's something that even on the bootleg projects, like all of his music flows so well together and whole lot of red, I think, is the culmination of this. But I think you really see it coming full flower here, like on the mixtape. There are certain tracks, again, like when I, we were discussing, I couldn't tell Kelly Kay and Flex from each other because they flow together so well. And, you know, Location and Magnolia, two towering songs that go together so well. But I think here is where he really, you can hear him putting it together in real time, essentially. And once you get to, like, the leaks, you can see that it's not really in real time. And that's a testament to him as a curator that it feels like it's in real time. Mm-hmm. And Pierre as well, like... I think that one of the things I was thinking, I I think that one of the things I was thinking about, great sentence, I think that this album makes a real argument that if you put aside the whole quote-unquote bar son aspect of rapping, and then when you unpack it, a lot of these rappers I'm going to discuss weren't ever bars rappers. This puts Cardi in the class of like, Cardi and Pierre in the class of like Pete and CL and Premier and Guru and Mm. all those these duos of like just completely simpatico rapper producer duos doesn't it 
I, 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 lo- oh, I like. Oh yeah, I, I like that thesis a lot. Damn, talk about if you ever brought, talk about ruffling some feathers. If you ever brought that up with like a certain demographic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but mm-hmm. CL- the, tra- the traditionalists would not like that. But oh, CL Smooth, cool. CL Smooth was not anything special. Like on the, uh, like he was good. And, and group. I mean, the joke is that Group Home was never like Lil Dak was not lyrical. Like Premier did like, and the Group Home record is super. Like all those like '90s producer. Like that was the whole thing about it was that the producer was elevate. Like Premier elevated these people. Like Group Home, the whole thing about it was that no. Like aside from Guru, like you know, Gangstar was one thing, but CL Smooth was not lyrical. A lot of these '90s rapper producer duos, they get a lot of nostalgia, rose tinted lenses credit for stuff. Just having bars, just based upon the era they were in, and they were all in the same template: three minutes, three verses. But how great were all these three verses? If you think about it, like Cardi changed, invented genres, changed genres, like shifted templates, shifted expectations, and changed the way a lot of people thought about absorbing, like you know, changed the way they absorbed music in general Mm -hmm. and pierre got a whole career career off of this too in a way a lot of those producers didn't yeah and 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 pierre we talk about like you know just from a rapper's rapper perspective but pierre has a real knack for songwriting and 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 hook writing and and things that are sticky and memorable i mean you talk about a song like for you off of his uh off of you know uh t-lop five um he has a there's such a, a warmth and like a an accessibility to that song. And also what he's doing on it isn't obviously isn't anything like special lyrically, but the songwriting is super strong. And he talks about just like, there's like little sentences here and there, little lines here and there that will always stick with me. Like when it comes on, I'm going to know the, the vast majority of the words in the song. So in addition to him making that beat and it being a beautiful beat and a beautiful melody, he also has a unique ability to ride something like that perfectly. And I think it's because he, you know, produces. So he has a inherent knowledge of what sounds good and over, you know, said production style. So even when he comes on, so even when he comes on this album and he talks about like on right now, which I love that song. I know some people might might point to it as a weak link here and there. I love the verse. I, it's so goofy. I love, oh yeah, it's like Pierre, you know, Pierre. I mean the Bill Gates line, like all my bills pay. It's so funny. It's <laughs> yeah, so fucking stupid. funny. Yeah, and I love the, like the the whole breakdown is perfect because you just have Cardi like with a lot of like you know Cardi doing the like right now now right now and then pierre just comes in like back to the future did it all on computer like you know it's just (laughs) it's silly but it's it's so it's so beautiful i I love pierre as a vocalist i see no reason you can't include pierre in the same in the same discussion as pete rock or even fucking yay i really don't like i mean he doesn't have quite the body of work but close enough like as a vocalist he understands his limitations he works within them i think he has the same kind of goofy charisma he has the same positives too and that as a producer he knows what he sounds good over i think he yeah. gets entirely too much undeserved shit i really he's do not, as a vocalist uh, unlike the previous ones we mentioned because of the era they came out when those producers who tried to rap are trying to be like bars son people when it's like as producers, what they could be focusing on and what I what Pierre seems to focus on a lot is that he knows melody. So he's utilizing that because we appreciate melody a lot more now versus Bar's son. 
So right. he's allow he's he's able to harness what he knows from his area of expertise and then apply it to his vocals and that kind of, that that helps elevate him to that um, to like bring out the best of him. Yeah, and I think vocal lot. mix and just in general vocal mixing too, like and just how to play with studio space as well, which I think the other people we mentioned know how to do, but they were still focused on that legacy media mindset of all right, three verses, a chorus, you know, intro and an outro, fit the template. Yeah. Like and only eventually did like, you know, at least one of those people kind of learn to play with it and think they were fucking changing the paradigm, whereas Pete Rock is still doing that shit. Like Pete Rock needs to stop doing a lot of stuff. But twitter for example but <laughs> yeah I, I i mean i think like I, I think this this whole discussion has really not that i wasn't aware of it but kind of like reopened my eyes to be like yeah i mean pierre isn't any different than any of these like you know great all-time great producers who also have made all-time great music as a result of their production and rap he, he's quite pot i i is it is it dumb to say that he might like, yeah, he's like in that upper echelon of, to me at this point, he's in that upper echelon of like notable producers of like a decade or an era where it's like, I mean, like Oh, yeah, I don't think with, I mean with, him and him and with rage alone as an him existence. and Metro him and I mean, Metro was like a couple years before him. He broke out, but only barely. And like, I think Metro and Pierre have the 2010s and then, you know, the, the, Pierre, especially, I mean, Metro from a popularity standpoint, the 2020s, both of them have been relevant for, for 10 years, for almost 10 yeah. years. And I would say that Pierre probably deserves more credit because he puts himself out there with the T-Lop series, whereas Metro does Rolodex albums. Right, right. Metro is very comfortable working with a large group of, like, a large subset of artists, but he doesn't, like, actually rap on his shit. Yeah, um, personal aspect to Pierre working with like nudie and even like Pierre will also do the thing that a lot of producers do like um, like he'll work with limp like that whole thing where it's like I'm going to work with like regional rappers let's say let more <laughs> limited rappers like Jelly and like right. yeah his, his yeah. sauce house label guys he's got like he's got his uh, uh, like that um, he's trying to beef up it's like uh, like Chavo right it's Jelly Chavo, Fraser Trill literally just had an al an album yep. drop uh, just today. Um, uh, and, and he's and he's given them he, yeah Shark. He's given them hits too because like Drunk and Nasty had Shark on it, and Shark has a prominent feature on it, and that song was a hit. Like that was all over TikTok, and and like that was like one of his biggest songs. So might be his biggest song. I I, I don't know what I don't look at the, the charts, but um, I imagine that is at least one of his biggest songs. So. I mean, Pierre has really done a lot to big up, like, his, you know, like, his stable of, of artists, so. And you know. one of the things yeah. about this album is that it marries, like, we have Pierre all over it, but you also have Travis, you have Nicky, you have, like, this is probably the most front-loaded with main, this is the most mainstream Cardi album in terms well, it's of. Well, it's like I had, it's like I said earlier, this was supposed, in a way, this was supposed to these victory lap albums so i kind of see the v the features as like an extension of that where he was like i've made it now here's all these people that like let, let, let's get the people on let's get all my influence let's get chief keef and young thug because i have those yeah. connections now and i love chief keef and i love young thug i mean well, obviously I, let's get my you know well i mean the, in there too. we might i mean if we're just going to talk about like the i mean you're bringing up mileage it's it's on the table right there yeah i i, I did oh, yeah. Out of like, I hate to do the whole like, I mean, I'm kind of 
I find the whole Fantano, like just go through it track by track and Athamuck anyway. So yeah, mileage. I didn't really realize how thought breaker that song is. That is turbo era Keith, right? Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's so, it's so beautiful. It's it's easily one of the best songs on the album. I mean, it's incredible. And that's actually, that, that, that's a, that's a high, high, high bar. But to me, it's like a lock for like a top five song on here. Like that, that's an incredible song. The way that, that Keith, comes in like i love the uh just everything that he does on it rides the beat so perfectly you, and once again cool, right? you, you guys you guys know me like you know a beat that rides out so now we have the like you know the little melody and that rides out and everything i mean there's not much that i could say wrong about is i have a funny anecdote of a friend of mine i was on like 2019 i was doing a lot of road trips for you know covering uh you know college football my senior year and uh, yeah, I we, I we, I played dialect because it was like just an easy thing to throw on, and if to think about it, I knew it wouldn't like alienate people in the car. And um, I remember him being like, "What is he saying about about <laughs> her? What, what what is her? What about her pussy? Like, what is he saying?" And I, <laughs> like, he's got he's got mileage, but he doesn't care. It's not problematic. Isn't yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the few lines about women on this album that is not problematic. Yeah, it, it's it's she genuine. It's legitimately like a uh, like a actually nice song, well, you know. <laughs> we could we could get see this. Well, that goes into my what used to be my crackpot conspiracy that this was a concept album was that I was like taking note that's like first off uh, compared to the the mixtape that came out at the time, this is like filled with a lot of relationship songs and songs about girls and like love songs and i mean fell, like, fell in love i mean you know right yeah there. oh yeah but that was like my thing was that i actually uh, you know back when i was doing my crackpot stuff it was like i was noting that it was like okay all the respectful and like nice songs about women are on the tail end and all the ones about just like having sex with women is on the front end so i was like trying to make this thing where it's like oh yeah the, the concept is is that like cardi gets into his bag he's gotten famous but he's trying to find love with someone that he actually like it has like a connection with and like after fell in love he realizes that it's not that he, him just getting all these malibu barbie girls isn't really doing it for him so he gets with a an actual girl where he doesn't care about like her like because you know Pre- previous was, life or yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever sure. or anything like he doesn't care. He finds a girl that he likes. And he doesn't. So, so what have happens? For. So what happens when it gets to the end? He's on the top of the building. There's there's no girl with him on the top of the building. That's no it? the ending. The the idea. I I well I think top is just him being like I'm, I, 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 I. It was like a, it was a joke. Soda. I'm trying to poke okay. holes in your in, in, in your in your it's crackpot theory. It's not a very theory. good crackpot theory. Like I said, I don't subscribe to it anymore. I think it was just me being insane at the time with how in love I was with the album. But I do think it says something that um there there is a there there is some weirdly you know as much as there is R.I.P. with like problematic lines about women still on quite a few of these songs, especially R.I.P. Um, Compared to where he would be at a whole lot of red, he has actually got some very, um, I won't call him progressive, but nice, nice sentiment type perspective and songs on a couple of views on relationships on this album. I think are really interesting. It's like this song with mileage, um, uh, What's the uh, what's the one that I'm thinking? Of? Uh, home, 
where he's just admitting that he lets his girl go out and have like like it's kind of like a pimp illusion but it's also not because at the end of the day she doesn't come home to him but he's like talking about how his girl gets money for him by having like pimping herself out and having sex with like other men yeah KOD, he doesn't right? mind yeah. Yeah. yeah KOD it's like he doesn't mind Although then in the end, she doesn't come back home and it's clear that the relationship is like very um, dis- is clearly distant and removed from each other. They don't they, there's actually no relationship there. And then, of course, fell in love, which I think is one of the most heady conceptual songs on the entire project. I fucking love that song. So it's a great so song. Much. The way that they both the way they both do it, um, like. Uh, it, it, yeah. it, 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 it's like a song. I can see why you think Fell in Love is like the concept. Like, I can see why you get like conce- concept album out of this because Fell in Love is right in the middle. It's right in the middle, and it's a song about him being, it, it, you know, because at first I thought it was, you know, like so many people when it first came out, you're just thinking, like, oh, he's just saying, Fell in Love, and that's okay because we're in love. And I remember people were making fun of those lines and being like, oh yeah, these just, what does that mean? What the fuck are you talking about? You're just saying things. But it's like, no, he's talking about how he's in love with love, not this girl he's with. And that their relationship is literally just about like built on really just false pre, like just, it's just sexual and that's it. There's like no actual, the, the love, he's only in, in love with the idea of being in love. It's, it's got no nothing to stand on and that like, it's really shallow and he, he's probably not in a relationship. He's going to like it all. And then it all breaks down in that, that at the time I was making that with that, that being a follow up to KOD where his girl's admitting that she's with other guys and like, he's not gonna, she, she's, she, there's illusions that she, she's not really into him. It's, it's those types of things, but like we fell in love. It's like, no, there's like a lot of conceptual weight here that I feel like got passed over. Um, just cause of those preconceived notions about Cardi and what, it, uh, that he wasn't saying anything. Also, that beat's just killer. That's like a low-key, like almost like a friend zone beat with that. Am- amazing sample. beat. Very, very, very cloudy with the, the way the sample cuts in and out, too. The, yeah. That vocal chops. Like, yeah, that's total like friend zone almost. Love, love that. I was going to say, back on that, on the, on a similar front, uh, Love Hurts has an v- incredible bass line. That was probably, outside of Flatbed Freestyle, the most controversial song. It's, in terms of like beat or or, or performance, because like I remember people were like, "This is a nothing song." What it's about that is line. controversial? Y'all don't like hooks. I, I remember you don't like. No, they, they didn't like. They thought I remember people didn't like it because they were like, "It's literally just a baseline and a tr- like in a trap uh, hi hat, and that's it." People were hating the beat a lot, and they were I like. I will say, at the time, I was still in my anti-Travis lane, so it did break the flow for me between Old Money and Shooter, which I love both those songs, and I was like, I like this. It's not my, I mean, it doesn't ruin anything for me, but it's my least favorite song so far. Shouty want a rock star. I mean, mm-hmm. I then, and, 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 and again, the, I'm an idiot. The, in retrospect, I'm like, I'm an idiot. This is fucking wonderful. And, and again, though, the conceptual weight of these songs, because it's like, this is a whole song about him being like, yeah, these girls, like, they just, they don't want to know the real me. They want, like, a guy who's just, like, like, all about his money and, 
in you are really pushing the crackpot theory. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, getting back. I'm going to say, how, how much this is, this is like, this is like a Jehovah's Witness for the crackpot theory. Like let's let's ease up a little bit, Wyatt. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting back into it because I'm hyping right. myself up again. Gosh, but. I'm not well, saying I'm not saying that conceptually on here and there that's I don't agree yeah. with you on certain songs, but as a, but as a complete as a complete package, I strongly disagree with you. No, but I'm talk- <laughs> I, but as a song, yeah, the podcast position I- is not. We do not as the Living Off Borrowed Time podcast does not endorse our guest theory. On this show. <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not. But my thing is, I'm not talking about like the conceptuals of the whole album. I guess what I'm trying to hammer home is, is that there used to be this preconceived notion that Cardi ain't saying shit and that in actuality, he is saying a lot and that there is actual concepts to these songs. There's, 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 there's a lot of structure and concept of these songs. He wasn't just saying shit. You know what I mean? I agree like, with he had, he had plenty of concepts in his songs. I, I I agree. I would also just like to say though that I am anti concept album as just in general. Oh so, yeah, again, this isn't a concept album. I'm so, just saying in the no no. So. I, I I yeah. So I I just want to make it clear that for, holistically for a whole uh, you know record, I do kind of. You said just a, a minute ago that the, the preconceived notion was Cardi wasn't saying shit. 100 percent that that was that notion. And then you were also talking about how, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, like, but no, there are actual concepts of these songs or whatever, whatever. In my view, like, to me, that doesn't matter. Like, the concepts mm. don't matter to a song. He he would be quote unquote saying shit regardless of if there was a, yeah. a concept or a narrative or an, or mm-hmm. a, a general idea in. That, mm. that be conveyed easily, you know, track by track. So. Oh yeah. That, that's sure. kind of. And, and I and I wouldn't and I would agree with you that, that you don't need that for songs. I could listen, you know, <laughs> it's like I could listen to a rapper rap about anything, and especially even if it's the same thing over and over again. If like right. as long as you're doing it in a cool way that still stand out, not totally repetitive and everything like that. Like you know, that's that's the entire genesis of like weed rap. Like if. It's a well, you, I mean, or something like that. You're just referring to it. At, at my interpretation is you're referring to it as even in the most traditionalist sense, mm-hmm. like Cardi. I mean, in my, this is my opinion now that's bleeding into. But even in the most traditional sense of the rapping term, I think Cardi's an incredible rapper. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, that's yeah. kind of my. That that that's. So I think view. MC versus vocalist sort of idea where you know I think that Y is kind of taking the MC as like argument that mm-hmm. he's trying to say like he is saying something whereas Caleb's taking the vocalist argument where it's like it doesn't matter the vocalist yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that, that 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 is that is that that's a good way of putting it yeah, I, pa- yeah. Patrick just yeah. distilled our whole last five minutes into one sentence that's yeah <laughs> yeah but it, it's it is kind of um yeah, because I would say something like Leanfield track, like like Leanfield doesn't have a concept; it's just him rapping. But it's it's fucking amazing. It's just all about the melody, and everything. And you know, I just think that I just think that Cardi should get some credit that he does have concept songs. He does deliver those. It's just like I feel like you know, at least during this time frame, he wasn't giving. Sometimes. He was kind of getting short shrifted on that. Um, 
I do think with Love Hurts to go back to it, it's very yeah, it's very interesting to think that at one point this was considered like so again, like what we're talking about, that that song was considered so abrasive and out there because of how minimal it was. Um and it's it yeah, it, I mean it it, 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 would, it seems so it it's it, you listen to the underground thing. today, like it sounds like boom bap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so funny. It reminds me of when Diction was. Oh, you guys had Diction on for the Mad Villain the episode. And he was talking oh, for the Mad for the, the for the MSU episode, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and he was talking about how Mad Villainy at the time was seen as so experimental because it's like he didn't have any choruses or anything like that. And it's like now that's so like really this Mad Villainy was considered like it's 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 abstract and it's still kind of uh, forward. It's still certainly forward thinking in some ways, but it's like not in. It's not totally mentally exp- like bucking the trends as we think of now, and it, this is kind of, and, and so I kind of get that same feeling a little bit from this, where it's like, oh, like again, like oh yeah, well, it's People like that this was so weird and controversial and like spatial, and it's like it is, but it's not like unheard of now. Well, it's like Caleb said, like this kind of sounds like Illmatic now. It's like actually, I think more accurately, like Mad Villain kind of sounds like Illmatic. Like this kind of sounds like Doctor Octagon almost, where it's like traditional mm. but progressive, maybe, like because they it kind of took a template and ran with it, like kind of took a template and did something progressive with it. And it might've sounded a little weird at the time. And people thought it was a little off kilter, but it was so good at what it did that people were able to just adjust to it because. Mm-hmm. So well done. I don't know. Like yeah. you understand? No, I, I, no, I think that's fair. And, and so I know we talked about songs with features, but okay. So can we talk about the Nikki feature? I guess because I feel like that was another thing that people had. Like, oh, people on. definitely bristled at the Nikki feature. It's funny because not many Nicki Minaj songs in the late 2010s are songs that I actively enjoy. Um, just not for me. I know I'm putting myself out there for. A certain stand group, but they wouldn't listen to this anyway. I mean, it's a bunch I was of say, dudes in a podcast. No, ne- negative, negative ten. Yeah, they're not really listening to this, and nor should they. Um, but can I say that I can listen to this podcast actually because we could we could deal with like that kind of like you know uptick in our traffic. That's true. <laughs> that's true. We can we, we can we can stand for a couple more uh, a couple more listeners. I, I think can she's I? great on it, and I like how I, it's stupid, but I love how she does the whole. Okay, watch Apple, Apple, FaceTime, FaceTime thing. <laughs> like that it's whole sequence like, for like them. She actually does like a cart. Like Nikki is. She does an impression, but it's a good impression. No, but see, if you go back to, and we talked about this in our baby pictures episode way back when, she is really, really skilled at being a mimic. And like, I think that was something that was a bigger novelty with her because, oh my God, woman's doing it. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's something game does, and everybody's like, "Oh, you're corny as shit." But when a girl does it, it's I kind of like it. I kind of like it that she she does the Cardi flow because no, no, it, I was it, saying the, I, the, I like it. I think it's cool. Like she does it in a way that's clever on the song because she also does it in the midst of other stuff she does. that's also cool. Like I think her verse is just like it's novelty, but it's like fun. Like sometimes. Yeah. I have to be the. She is so hit. Like she takes big swings all the time, and a lot of times they don't work for me. But this one worked. So yeah, I like it because it it makes me feel like it, it, it lets me in a weird way it lets me know that like oh she's involved in this song. She wasn't just like given like for a name like Nicki Minaj yeah. at this time. It's like it wasn't like she was just like oh here's your verse. I sent it over to you through the through the internet. Here you go. It's like she clearly. Mm-hmm 
was either in the booth with Cardi or like at least had preconceived notions about the song and who Cardi was and liked his music and was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and try to hang with Cardi in his realm. Um, and she does it really well. She, she it, It's really good. As someone who doesn't listen to Nikki at all, like I think I've only heard her on guest verses occasionally and like obviously on the radio sometimes back in the day. I feel like this was like the last... As mean as it is to say, I feel like this is the last positive thing I can think of in terms of Nikki uh, uh, involvement. I, I, I would I would agree with you. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think the last thing I even remember from her was that she got in the news because her cousin's friend from Barbados said that the COVID vaccine would shrink your balls. <laughs> mm. That did happen. Yeah. Yep. Big, That's the big, last big, big brain. Played. Think of like I think so, this is right around the not a um, W. Who was it that she was disrapping with before Cardi? Was any it? other Cardi B? Yeah, but there was someone specific. I can't remember who who had like the sheather thing. Who Meg- the fuck was that? Was it Megan? No, it wasn't Megan. It was before that. It's like someone else, but I, I fucking forget. But the point is that like this was like right around that start of Nikki uh, beefing with women rappers and being like, no, that's what and, literally and, like that has literally always been her gimmick since like mm-hmm. she started. So I that doesn't really narrow it down. Um, wait, uh, was it whoever she was? Uh, Remy? She said something. Oh yeah, this she, was yeah Remy. She, no, yeah, yeah, it was Remy Ma. This was like I think right around the time that she was getting. She was like, but it was pissing off main, like actual, like general audiences that she was like, like everyone was recognizing. I think it, this was that point where people were recognizing this, like Nikki. Oh wait a minute, Nikki's kind of a shitty person for like getting women rappers like. Any yeah, type I mean, of, people like, people were saying that oh, she feels threatened, yada yada yada, which yeah, which is which is then, which is then referenced every- in the lines of the song, like that's what like the pretend Barbies type stuff. I I very I very distinctly remember this was right around that time with the Remy Mobby. I don't think any of that stuff is interesting at all. So I just like oh, we, yeah, we, no. can, we can skip oh, over yeah, that. We don't want to bog down home. the dial it podcast with annoying I just ass. Hammer home that this was like a highlight for Nikki before a fall. Well, a deeper fall, but oh, this 100%. was a bright spot for her. She did really well on this track. And she, I really do like how I mean, she implements like, Playboy, Playboy. Under- that should underline how good the verse is that she was in the midst of just being so tiresome and this verse is still great. Like that's how good oh, yeah. this album is. Absolutely. Good verse out of like fucking Cheryl what, Sand what a, what a that girl verse. What a fucking like, good beat. God damn the beat on Polka Dow. Oh, and the little like the little like are, are, are the melodies like the, the the little the melody with the like uh synth arpeggios that comes in where it's like dun dun yeah, dun, 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 dun Yeah. Yeah, that shit's so good. It it like Incredible. Incredible. One of the things that Gare is really good at on this album is like he really balances like the tropical stuff, which I associate with nudie, with like more dark like tones, like R.I.P. Mm-hmm. and uh, Notice Me. I would say is a darker one. Uh, yeah. Like the whole, the mileage whole is really good, like light one. Like there's just like he goes from like I I don't know, and like, the testament to transitions as well. I think I mentioned this on the. Uh, a lot of red leaks one that's coming up in the series that there's just cardi's music reminds me of like summertime at night and yeah i, I think that's say, 
Whereas the mixtape is like, I talk about this in my really old dialer review, but it's like, whereas the mixtape was like, it's sunny out in the tropics in the middle of summer. And like, you're just rolling around partying. This is like, if the party carried over into the nighttime of that same summery day, like it's still going on and you're still, you're still like buzzing from it. But now it's like at night, like it, it, it's, it, it's like you said, it's tropical and it's warm, but it's not, it's, it's nocturnal. It's, it, it's still, it's very spatial, much more minimal, a little bit more even minimalistic. Uh, it, 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 like it, it starts from like, like lean real with the cricket noises to me. And like from there, it's like, okay, we're partying at night now. And there are just like songs that, you know, kind of have a feel or a fit for anything. I mean, you talk about like foreign, I mean, special, always soft spot for foreign because it was the first song I played in my first ever car. So that was, a. Uh, that was definitely, definitely a, a a warm thing to look back on. But yeah, fucking love that song. Another another great beat. What was that, Pat? Was it a foreign car? It was not. Well, what Honda's Japanese, right? So that, that yeah. counts. Foreign car. Yeah. <laughs> oh look at that. Yeah, not exactly. I'm sure not the same foreign that Cardi was referring to. But it is. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're going to speed past that. Um, another top five song on here with the feature is No Time. No Time is incredible. I played that so much. I would play that, even if I didn't get to listen to the full album in full, I'd play that. Because I've been, I mean, lis- listeners will hear on future episodes, but uh, Monday through Sunday is one of my favorite Cardi songs of all time. No Time is also in, in that similar bucket, like he and Gunna have phenomenal chemistry that is not really talked about very much. Um, you know, it, it seems it seems obvious that he and Thug would have great chemistry, but I feel like he and Gunna actually have like even better chemistry. Um, they just they flow so perfectly to the point where when I, when I listened to No Time for the very first time, a lot of times here, uh, it was to the <laughs> point where I couldn't, I almost couldn't distinguish who from who initially that very first listen because their verses like gonna does the hook and they go verse verse hook verse verse hook so they they it rolls into each other um amazing song amazing beat another one like why just talked about the melody for poke it out another melody where it's just like it's like it bounces around like in my brain you know all the time and and, and a great don cannon beat shout out to don cannon it's weirdly like almost a little bit aquatic or like Yeah. Well I mean gonna I mean Gunna's like music. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's tied into that. I actually yeah, I'm sure it's tied into that, absolutely. Because that was funny. I mean, that was the drip or drown, like, you know, or drip season mm-hmm. era for, for Gunna. And they, they had, you know, collabs like on the next Gunna album, so yeah. It, it's kind of funny that this album is kind of pulling from a lot of guests who are like at a very strong point in their careers like it just so happens that they're all like like this is like pretty damn like not to say all everybody like fell off after this of course not but i'm just saying like you know chief keith like we're saying with his like this is like um thought like a thought breaker type deal young thug is like 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 post jeffrey at this time like he references that we got young nudie on the come up gonna drip a drown season era pure born obviously is right now like pretty good Nicki minaj before a fall off 
uh, Uzi at like a very height of his powers, Travis Scott before like um, like mm-hmm. uh, pre pre um, pre Astro World, um, which is not to say Astro World's bad, but you know what I mean. And like well, Step Dead, like the, the height of the US Astro relevancy. The album Astro World was quite good. The festival Astro oh, World, yeah. true, uh, uh-huh. true. But, uh, I would say that this, though, is a test. Of, I wanted to bring this up. I'm glad you mentioned it, Wyatt, was that this is a testament to Cardi as, like, a collaborator. Like, he's a really good curator in terms of, like, putting things together. But as a collaborator, I think he brings the best out of his features. And you see that here. And also, mm-hmm. when you, like, look at the leaks, too, like, the Trippy song, the Offset song. Like, you see this more in the whole lot of Red leaks. But, like, even these leaks, like, which are... Like they came out in two waves and they're less illuminating than the whole lot of red leaks, which was more like a separate project. Like you'll hear when we go like in the future, when we do that episode, that that's more of its own standalone project. Whereas the leaks for this are just kind of like alternate versions, demos. There's some like songs that are their own thing, but that's more of just like a traditional bootleg for this, but you still have stuff like he does a song with Cardi Cardi B. That's pretty mean. He has an offset song. That's really good. Cause he always has really good like chemistry with Migos, the going back mm-hmm. to the abundance era. And uh, there's a juice world song. That's pretty cool. Although I think I differ with Caleb a little bit on this. I think the verbiage on the hook is a little, um, problematic it's not great uh that i what i will say is that the verbiage you're talking about for whatever reason is not uncommon at all amongst pop rap especially in the last like you know five to ten years i feel like I, i've heard a number i mean there's a mega there's a travis and uh quavo song modern slavery uh, yeah like, I, I, got, I think yeah. we have the album and what track specifically we can credit for this uh, yeah, yeah. We're not, you know, we're not going to unpack that one. But, but my point being, though, in terms, like all these songs are like, you know, pretty high end for the collaborators, though. Like you were saying, Wyatt, about the Nikki song, like it felt like she was in the booth with him. I she probably wasn't, but she was tapped in enough to really put in an effort. And I feel like that's how it is with him. Like if you're going to collaborate with Cardi, you really feel to be in, the need to be invested. Like I yeah. feel like even. And- he was that much of a presence that and he also, I, handed in collaborators. And with that song, I always appreciate that Cardi, he knows when he needs to get the fuck out of the way. So, or, or he doesn't mind getting the fuck out of the way. Like he, I remember people used to joke. It's like, Oh, he's only got like, like Cardi says maybe a total of like his, his verse is probably like eight bars and he gets out of the way. And Nikki takes up like a majority, like two thirds of the song. But I really respect that. And mm-hmm. and it's also, you know, to me, it's an allusion to like, you know, he, he did it with Fetty and then he did it kind of like with uh, uh, New Choppa on the mixtape with ASAP Rocky, because that's the song where ASAP takes up two thirds of the song. And right. so the, here you're getting a song where Nikki takes up two thirds of the song, uh, more sequelitis from the mixtape like carrying over. But um, I always do kind of appreciate that, that at times Cardi knows that when to come in and only say what he needs to say and then, and then let some, you know, he's, he's partial to letting his guest shines when, when he, when he needs to, and he knows when, when he, and he knows when to do it. Yeah. I, mean, I you think feature too, like um, some of his most famous songs, earthquake with Tyler, uh, city of God thing. recently. Yeah. Like he, definitely is just like a very minimal presence on those songs, but potent one. So yeah. mm-hmm. that's I mean, the you know, like, feature he had. I, oh, a hundred percent. 
he, I wish he would go over more production like that. He sounds incredible on that Salon song. I mean, we always. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was about to mention Salon's album. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Or, um, 2019 album. Yeah. Yeah. But also with on the feature tip, I mean, he and Nudie, you know, R.I.P. Fredo, Pat mentioned all the top. One of my favorites, too, on here. I mean, just a, a, another like. S tier beat Pierre once again in his melody bag, and uh, that those two just have perfect chemistry as we would you know see on throughout throughout each of their careers. And Nudie just he just gets it, you know. Nudie is a rapper who like it's so rare that I don't really enjoy what Nudie brings to a track each time he's on he's on a song. So yeah, I mean they just. Also, I know people like memed about like the like the the, the notice me part, like because he he kind of had, he he pushes the words up against each other. He pushes the letters and notice me up against each other, so it sounds like he's like you know rushing through it. Um, I used to always think he's saying, "Yeah, you know it's me." I, I got oh like, yeah that that yeah that like uh, James Bond notice me like a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I, people you, people used to say like nourish or whatever. Like, yeah, it's like... Ew, but now it's me. <laughs> like he he doesn't he doesn't pronunce the he doesn't hardline the T. Right. Yeah. He skips me. the T. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Gotta love gotta love the the way he like a lot of slurring on this and and you know in terms of vocal inflection he's like talking with his like tongue kind of like on the roof of his mouth it's um it, it, it's really neat i love it i, I mean like, if you think, looking at the track list now you have mileage all the way through to top that's like such a killer end run like i know and people hate on middle of the summer i like that song a lot i don't i don't i don't yeah that's another great one where it's like curdy getting the fuck out of the way and he knows it because this the 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 feature is so good i always do get curious whatever was up with red cold heart. Yeah, who, who the fuck he is that so guy? good? <laughs> <laughs> who is that? Yeah. Who the fuck is that um, guy? Let's check out his RYM too. Uh, red red cold hearted has one credit and it's on down. <laughs> it's like um fucking pulling a pulling an MF Doom again, where it's like you have this one random like low key like local. Uh, what if uh, he's actually female feature? What if he's actually kill Edward? I do wonder. <laughs> Jesus. I do um uh, it, it only goes by for a second but my theory has always been that this red cold hearted was someone Cardi was dating at the time. That's exactly because, uh, because yeah, if you, if you close if you if you no. closely listen to the ad libs right at the start of the song, you can hear Cardi talk about how he's like I'm going to let my bitch sing on this song or something like that. Where he's talking about, yeah, this is, I got a song with my bitch. It's, it's a, it's like, a, it's a sequel to uh, my, my sing on this shit on on Flex, yeah. <laughs> and if you think about like billing it to Red Cold Hearted, like it's probably he broke up with her and he's you know Red and is cold hearted. Get it? Uh, Get it. Uh, oh, oh boy, so. the 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 tinfoil hat is on right now. I was going to say track. why I put his tinfoil hat on. <laughs> Now I'm breaking out the lore too, you know. This is this is this is as deep as it gets right here. Uh, That's we're, that, we're, we're, but, rabbit hole. We're through the looking well, glass, here, people. 
but say all that it's a really good feature which is why i'm saying it's like yeah i wish she has or at least i feel like she i i wish this hadn't jumped her off more because it seems like she's really interesting as vocalist like it's a really good performance yeah i like the i, oh, I like no, the, i have an even bigger tinfoil hat for you what if it's cardi shifting his vocals like Nas is scarlet like like lady b <laughs> lady b yes yes skinny pimp yes yes Pimp. Uh, I remember Skinny trying Pimp. to explain to Patrick about Lady B versus Skinny Pimp, but I couldn't say the title of the album. This uh, is on the, the 3-6 episode back in the day. If, if you <laughs> that was a hilarious moment where I was like, okay, Pat, so picture this. It's like Nas, Scarlet, but Memphis rap. And, but, and, and you, he was like, well, what's it called? And I was like, ah. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, that's like I was trying to explain the whole Lil White thing to Chops in the server, and he's like, Lil White would be a hilarious name for a white rapper. <laughs> Somebody just and I was like, like uh, <laughs> I hate to break it to you. <laughs> uh. So, gentlemen, we've broken down this track list quite extensively, and unless you have Pretty something much. else, if you, unless I you mean, have I, something I else feel to like... bring up about another song, we need to talk about the elephant in the room here, I think, before we can even fathom heading out. We gotta talk about Shooter. That was, well, that was how I was gonna yeah. want to close it as well, to be honest with now, you. Now, I, I pose a question to you both. Is Shooter quite possibly one of the greatest songs of our time? It'd be better if it in was in the original version. Actually, now that I've heard the original version with Rocket on top. I only that, listened to the original version. However, I'm not going to act like the first like month or so the album came out. I didn't obsessively listen to that version because I knew there wasn't. like or I didn't know there was another version. Um, this is like a, like this is, this is a generation to find track. I actually have a, a story... About I think that part of the reason people don't like Love Hurts that much is because you can just go from old money to shoot it. That's part of the reason that I had a problem with Love Hurts at the time. Again, as good as it is, is like old money to shoot it is the move. You could probably put Love Hurts on the back it's end. It's funny. I, I think Old Money is a dope song. I think Love Hurts is way better. That's like old money to me of the first like. Old money, I don't know. Old money. Of the first eight tracks, uh, it's the old money. New like whatever. That that is like. I mean, again, that probably you know, if we had much more listener base, they'd probably mean that as me saying that's a terrible thing to fucking hear come out of my mouth. But that is such a good ass hook. Well, it, we're talking. A, it's a it's a great beat. Too. Well, if we're talking, and about that is one thing. other thing I want to touch on before I forget because that sounds so good in the Slater uh, Sloden Reverb thing, Sloden Reverb version. Because that, by the way, is how I truly came to love this was. Around the time this came out was when Slater was putting out his Sloden Reverb versions, and this and his Frank Ocean versions were amazing. And I don't know if they're still on YouTube. I did pull them and then circulate them on SoulSeek and then found them again after my hard drive crashed. Somebody else found my versions, so we're circulating them. Thank you, SoulSeek user. So um, I do think that the Sloden Reverb genre does get a lot of shit. Um, like undeserved shit, much like Pierre Bourne got. Um, Cause I think that people think it's low effort. I think much like people think chopped and screwed is low effort. Uh, but I think that the version specifically the slowed and reverb version of this led me to appreciate a lot of the nuances of both Cardi's vocal performance and Pierre's production. And I highly mm. recommend it if you can find it. No, you're not kidding. The, the version of um, 
there are some of the versions like the version of fell in love is incredible the version of foreign is incredible the version of no time is incredible flatbed has an incredible slow and reverb version from slater obviously long time it doesn't need it but it it it, it gets it and it, it's amazing it just um, gives the album a little more yeah. space like i mean it, the album doesn't need space but with a little more space you just appreciate nuances a bit more because this album has a ton of nuance and there, there are, there are, uh, you know, uh, this is going to lead into the story I was about to reference, but there are kind of like, you know, a number of different memes or meme templates out there on, on social media for years where it's like, you know, doctor, you have X number of minutes to live. And it's like me plays this song or whatever. Shooter is like that type of song. I guess long, long time obviously fits that bill too, but Shooter is like that type of song for me where from the very first time I heard it and that crescendo and like the strings and how it, ultimately builds into probably the most satisfying you know beat drop so to speak or uh, that that, that cardi's had in do. his whole career like Meet me in the alley with the troops <laughs> i got red and blue shooters i got blue <laughs> and that thing uh, point at you though that's another one where it's like i referenced at the top of the episode just everything being seared into my brain there is never going to be a time where i don't know all every single word to shoot it no matter what version you play the the the, the one that ends up being on the album patrick's referenced you know rocket which was like the the leaked version the one that had the second uzi verse as a cleanup verse which is incredible i mean obviously like i love the i, mean, I could do the whole verse i'm not gonna do it but like the my life is like a movie minnesota acting like you know i love I love all that. Um, he also says my my D bomb like a terrorist. I'm pretty sure, which like whole other just you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. But <laughs> um, love, 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 love the song. And I was driving around. I think it was last summer. Yeah, I was driving around with my my brother last summer, and uh, I, this 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 album came on. I, I I was in the mood to throw a few songs on from it. And Shooter came on, and usually when he's in the car with me, like I just play whatever fucking music I want. He doesn't really react to it. Like sometimes he'll like shit, but you know, he doesn't. You know, he's my younger brother. Your, your brother doesn't ever he doesn't think shit. Like, but he doesn't go outside. Right. He doesn't. He, he does go outside, but he doesn't. He doesn't like shit. Um, but he, you know, your younger brother's like he's not gonna acknowledge. Like he doesn't think you're cool, whatever. But anyway, this song came on, and the minute Uzi did the like, now is my time. He also started like doing it and rapping it. And I didn't even knew he knew the song like that. So it was like a very cool moment of uh of like the how how that song kind of to me will transcend eras and, and it's just generations. it's just it's just audio cut it's just pure camaraderie. It's just two guys who are total like from what I can tell, uh, you know, just uh, you know, looking at celebrities, but it's like two guys who seem like just complete friends working just it just just coming together like in the perfect way at their like, peak at their peak at too. Their peaks yeah and, and, and it's such a fucking i don't want to be sound esoteric and use the word camaraderie com, com, camaraderie however you say that word camaraderie but camaraderie camaraderie right. but <laughs> it's like fuck out it's camaraderie and thank you the um <laughs> but it's like that but it, it, it just exudes that it's like this is just a song it, it's a song about friendship and them just rolling around or at least, um, especially uzi's verse where he's like think i'm like my best think i've got met my bestie link up with my bestie 
Like he's talking about Cardi and like them just rolling around hanging out. Like it's just such fucking fun. It's like then you you know it's been you know in recent times it's been just um it's just been stamped with that because of the whole Rolling Loud set where they came back together after whatever that beef was. But it's like that Rolling Loud set where Uzi comes out after the drop and they're just like hugging each other and like just going nuts with the crowd. Like that to me is like the peak essence of that song, you know, brought to life. Um, They've they've always been kindred spirits artistically. And, and that song is the perfect example of what, what a collab album from them could sound like, you know, we'll never get it obviously, but you know, what it could sound like in theory and together. I mean, it's just like, it's like the handshake emoji, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. that that's what it is. So I don't have much yeah. more to say other than I'm going to love that song until it, it you know, until yeah. it, like, I, I don't exist. So, yeah, I will, I will say I'll be the one despairing opinion that I did listen to rocket and I don't prefer it to the, to what we got on the album only because I think it's a, such a propulsive song that like you you get the build-up with uzi and then smash cut into cardi's verse with the explosion with like the drop mm-hmm. and then like you get like the you get a chorus a mini verse and then right back into the chorus and then it gets out and it but out. rocket like the uzi verse is staple to the is 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 after the car as after yeah, the chorus. it's not after like the drop thing. it kind of like, it kind of slows it down down for me a little bit when Uzi when you include Uzi's verse into it like the melody has it all has to slow back down a little but bit but to me there's like back when so you have Uzi verse drop Cardi verse hook and then into the Uzi verse the cleanup but the way that it happens and then obviously the Cardi hook at the end but the way that it happens I actually feels like it it builds more momentum in the second half like you you think you're down off the high and then it like ratchets it up again and then goes right back to like one more hook and and you and you ride out. Mm-hmm. I love how it does that personally. Yeah, and it's certainly not bad. I don't I don't dislike it at all. I, I, there's just some for me where it's like when I I feel like it was the for me personally I feel like it was the right choice to cut it just for the just the per, like I said the propulsiveness of everything like it just once you get into that drop it just goes and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't calm down there and then and the next thing you know it's over and done with mm-hmm. and i think there's honestly something to that is there's really like i mean listening to the leaks they're all good like the thing about it is i always go back to this and no one else knows or cares what i'm talking about when i say cardi's like pollard's like, he has so many fucking like b-sides and whatever they're all good like they're all good he has like shadow albums on shadow albums but like for the previous era and the next era they have like he has ones that could stand alone as their own albums and you could make choices that would make for different albums. But for this period, I wouldn't swap anything out really, except for maybe that one song. That's it. And that's like, all... up, that's up to taste other than that. And mm-hmm. even you would say that you wouldn't swap that one out. That's, and that's the only song other than that. This is stitched perfectly together. It's sequenced perfectly. The guests are perfectly chosen. Like I might want a second Uzi song on here. I might want offset on here. I might want Cardi B on here. Like, but that's like, those are selfish choices. I really think this is pretty much perfectly put together. This is a 10 out of 10 for me. This is a generation defining album. This is his sound synthesized and just utilized perfectly. 
him and Pierre at the peak of their powers. It, it reverberated in, in the mainstream. It reverberated in the underground. It changed how a lot of people uh, listened to and approached rap music. And I think it pushed it pushed boundaries for, for what rap, uh, and, and especially, you know, rap on a, on a sonic uh, level could, could be, which mm. Cardi has been doing pretty much for the majority of his career, I would say. Yeah, I would I would say that it's a peak for its for its time frame. Yeah, and like you guys said, the the influences that it would it really just completely change the dynamics of where the rap game was and was going. Um, you know, like we were discussing, like to me, this pretty much was like the moment the whole mumble rap discussion like died. Before it was contentious. This was like the moment. This album to me like exemplified like. Yeah, we're done talking about that. We're just in the era now where this is the accepted era. Um, you can't fight it anymore. Like, this is the new wave. Uh, uh, get with it or get out. Um, and, 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 and it also is kind of it's kind of funny, but in retrospect, you know, outside of the leaks, if you listen to them, um, this is also marks like a, a, a last uh, in terms of a project, this is like the last era for a certain sound for Cardi because after this, he, you know, he completely rewrites his entire script for a whole lot of red, and also kind of you know stops working with Pierre like as closely as he as he does. Like he, he he's already kind of creeping in with newer producers like Art Dealer and stuff. Like this is for them kind of a a a a a, a victory lap for them as a producer do as a, like a duo. At least as it stands for right now. Um, so it really is just a moment in time. It, 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 it's so good. Yeah, he's a restless artist. Like that's one thing you could say about him. He really doesn't stick with anything too long. Mm-hmm. Like in abundance was the cloud rap sound, and then you can take the self-titled mixtape as like the cloud rap sound transitioning into this, which was cloud rap and plug and rage, like sort of synthesizing, and then a whole lot of red was its own thing that birthed what we have now and then where's he going from here who's to say mm-hmm. no couldn't couldn't yeah. have said any better than you guys um you know as i always do in these episodes just thank everybody for listening you know wyatt thank you for helping to assemble this uh this three-part saga and uh happy five right. years to dial it one of my favorite albums ever and uh you know, one of our one of our from one of our favorite artists here on the podcast, and we will see you next week with more Playboy Cardi. Peace.
tell. Time is yet to be conquered by man. But when the time is right, perhaps the greatest revelation of all time will dawn upon us.